0: Life moves so quickly, doesn't it? We're always in a rush to get to the next thing, always thinking a step ahead, managing our time and tasks with as much speed and accuracy as we can muster, never really stopping to smell the flowers, as it were. On January 15th, 1947, one of those mornings was happening for Betty Bursinger. She had a to-do list a mile long and a three-year-old in tow. Betty was well aware that Los Angeles wasn't the glamorous place people see in their fantasies, which is why she walked briskly past the vacant lots in her neighborhood. Limart Park was an up-and-coming neighborhood before World War II stopped its development dead in its tracks. And though the war had been over for more than a year, construction was still slow to restart. The neighborhood had houses, yes, but also lots of vacant lots. These lots were filled with trash and overgrown. One could tell that sometimes illicit activities would occur there under the cover of darkness. They made Betty uncomfortable. That morning, Betty and her daughter left their home on Norton Avenue at approximately 10 o'clock. The sky was a cold gray and the air was chilly and damp. Even the sun was hiding. Betty was headed towards a shoe repair shop, her little girl chattering away, tethered to her side hand to hand. They approached the corner of 39th and Norton, walking on the sidewalk and staying out of the overgrown lots that Betty disliked, but had the kind of tall, tickly weeds a toddler might love to run through. Betty tried to walk quickly, eyes on the prize as it were. She spotted something strange. A store mannequin lay in the vacant lot broken in two. It was so strange and out of place. Betty wondered who on earth would think to steal it and why they would break it and just dump it. Teenagers, probably. Don't they have anything better to do? As they approached the strange display, Betty could tell that something wasn't right. The mannequin was too pale, almost gray. The legs were stretched farther than they should go. Something spilled out of the middle and the face. What had they done to the face? Morbid curiosity and certainly the certainty that this was nothing more than a lewd prank drew Betty to look closer. But as soon as she did, she wished she hadn't. This wasn't a mannequin at all, no. This was a girl. Or at least it used to be a girl. What was left of her was so shocking that Betty didn't even immediately think to shield her little girl from what she saw. What did she see? When reality came rushing in all at once, like unpausing the video feed of life, Betty painted the dreary landscape with a blood-curdling scream, grabbed her daughter and ran to call the police. The woman lying there in pieces was also called Betty. But we would come to know her by a nickname given to her by a drugstore clerk, then splashed across the headlines for decades to come, her story plaguing the minds of detectives for years. No, we do not know this woman as Betty, or even her given name, Elizabeth Short. We know her simply as the Black Dahlia. I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we would be dead. We would
1: be dead. So dead. (laughs) so I'm dead. <laughs>
0: Hi, right. we're back again.
1: Yes, we are.
0: Here on day 756,000 of quarantine. Ooh,
1: yeah, it is coming in strong now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're all starting to feel
1: that like stuck in our house we setting in. Like, I'm even feeling like I want to be on a treadmill currently doing this podcast. Like, I just need to move more.
0: <laughs> I totally understand.
1: All I eat is comfort food, too. Like, it's harder to get produce, too. So, like, yeah, my life is carbs. I am trying to work out so much right now, and it is just balancing. Like, I'm just maintaining at this point because I'm eating way too much junk food. (laughs) A lot of mac and cheese.
0: I don't have, like, any opportunities to work out because... It's all kids all the time and I try and do stuff with them, but their attention span is not long enough to do the kind of like concentrated things that would be better for me, so.
1: Yeah. Today I did a hula class. Oh, well, there you go. That's a good hip workout. Very short, but still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for those love handles. Yeah, you know.
0: Tomorrow we're Irish step dancing.
1: Oh, that's a good leg workout.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, we're traveling, traveling
1: in our living room during uh, spring break. So. Yeah, that's really cool. It's fun. Uh, the kids are seeming to enjoy it and it's, it breaks up the monotony. So that's always good. Yeah, my kids are just like, we're fine. We're playing video games and FaceTiming friends. We don't need Ugh. you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh.
0: So I hope everybody out there in our like listening world is dealing with things okay. I know a lot of us are on with kids are on like spring break. So it can definitely be more difficult, but I hope you're getting through. My daughter's turning nine this Sunday. Oh. And this is Leslie's birthday, too.
1: <laughs> We're just going to skip my birthday this
0: week. We're not skipping your birthday. You're going to have, like, Skype brunch with Violet.
1: Oh, my God. That's going to be adorable. I love her.
0: Yeah. Aww. We're going to make it special. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work. Okay. So everybody send your birthday wishes to Leslie this week. Make her <laughs> birthday special, too.
1: I almost forgot, actually. Like, normally I'm, like, ramping up, and I kind of <laughs> forgot about it.
0: I will not forget. Don't worry. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome.
1: Violet definitely won't forget. So,
0: oh, she will not. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and we're delivering cupcakes. So, you might get a care package. Perfect. Woo. All right. So, what do we uh, Do we have any reviews this week?
0: We have a little bit of shout outs um, coming in a second. First, I'm just going to plug our campfire stories one more time. They're still going strong Friday nights at 10. Thank you, everyone, for dealing with our glitchy tech. If you didn't catch last week's, you can find the audio wherever you listen to this podcast regularly. And the video is still up on our Facebook page. We will be back this week with two new tales for you guys. Uh, And our shout-outs, thanks to our friend Brian for the awesome review on Apple Podcasts and for sitting around the fake campfire with us on Friday nights. We really appreciate the support.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and that's our only one this week. Not that it wasn't great. It super was. But, like, Mm -hmm. maybe we can get a couple more next week.
1: We had um, some good uh, discussion on our group, though, so that was nice. We did.
0: That was Mm -hmm. fun. And um, we got to vote on this week. This is our 10th week.
1: Oh, that's right! It's yeah. our tenth
0: episode. I can't believe we like just mentioned that. Double digits.
1: We're big kids now. I know. Double digits. So fun. Uh, and we had you
0: guys, or actually, you know, any of you guys here who, who are in our Facebook group, which is the coolest place to be. Mm-hmm. We had you vote on this week's topic, and um, and you guys selected the Black Dahlia murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one was um, a bunch of people had suggested to it. It suggested it to us, and then. The voting was, like, overwhelmingly in its favor.
1: Yeah. This is one of those cases that I am aware of, Mm -hmm. but only because of the name. Like, I don't really know. And, and And the photo of her. Right. Well, those pictures are super famous. That's really it. The only other thing I know about it is that Josh Hartnett movie, but I can't even tell you what that was actually about because it was so long ago. That's the one with Mia Kirshner, right, when she played her. I
0: only remember Josh Hartnett, so. Well, there's (laughs) the the movie, The Black Dahlia, and then um, she was in American Horror Story. Okay. But we'll cover more of like her uh, where she was in pop culture, where she was put in next week. Okay. Um, This is just going to be her... We're going to go... Oh, that's right. In case I didn't say it earlier, which I don't think I did. This this week is going to be a two-parter because the story is huge. So this is our first two-part podcast too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Covering like a really like big amount of ground. So this week what we're going to do is we're going to cover um, Elizabeth's life and death. And then next week what we'll cover is all of the investigation theories and suspects cool so that's how we're going to divide it up at the end of this week we can still have a toast so keep in mind who you might want to toast to because i'm going to introduce a host of new characters next week there's enough to do both exciting so just to let you know so yeah also i'm pretty confident that i know who did it after reading a staggering amount of things about this case um (laughs) But maybe you guys disagree uh, and only time will tell. And I really look forward to having a discussion with you guys about like which theory you think is true Um, because there are just so many. Also, there are other podcasts that have covered this really extensively and I'm happy to give you guys links to that. Um, There's one that's just that I'll give you a link to next week because I don't want to give too much away. But that's like a really like a six part podcast about it. And it's super good. Oh, Um, I might have you listen to it this week, Leslie. Okay. It's so good. <laughs> I have the time. Well, then I'll definitely send it over. Anyway, you will recall from the opening that Betty Bersinger discovered the body of a young woman mutilated and cut in half at the waist on the morning of January 15th, 1946, close to the corner of Norton and 39th Street in Linemert Park in Los Angeles. I'm like so not familiar with this like neighborhood in neighborhood thing. Oh, really? Yeah, I've never lived somewhere where that was... Like, you wouldn't say you just lived in a town. You'd be like, I live in this town in this town.
1: Yeah, Um. where I grew up, there was, I grew up in Stratford, Connecticut, and there was a town called Lordship, and the title for it was um, A Town Within a Town. So, <laughs> waspiest thing I've ever heard. Super waspy, but it was great. Yeah, a bunch of, it was a very waspy community. <laughs>
0: but this, this, like, phenomenon comes in twice in this story, so I, I was, like, reading it going, geez, like, what is it? That's okay. After calling the police, Betty did what any good mother would do and got the hell out of there with her child. Also, way to go, Betty. Called the damn cops. Yep. She took our advice immediately. Officers Frank Perkins and Will Fitzgerald arrived on the scene shortly after the phone call from Betty came in and confirmed what she had reported. So they basically just showed up and went, Yep, that's a lady cut in half. (laughs) There we go. She was... Um, In the grass, just a few paces from the sidewalk. And I think this is very commonly misjudged. It looks like she's like way in a field in those photos. But she's just, I want to say, four steps away from the sidewalk. Oh, She was right there. So they just kind of threw her over there. Well... I'll get more into that <laughs> next okay. time. They they do find tire marks on the curb. So what it would appear is that whoever killed her pulled the car right up to the curb, like on the curb. Okay, and just and then picked her up and just put her over in the grass. Okay, but like I said, this was it was incredibly visible. It may have been a vacant lot, but it she was right there. Okay, and I always thought, just coming at the case not from a super clinical perspective, that she was kind of hidden that it was like hard to find her you know Mm -hmm. but it wasn't she was just like right there okay which is crazy to me and this was clearly no ordinary murder obviously because of what she looked like but also because the body was very clean the incision across her abdomen cutting her in half was surgical in appearance and the crime scene was almost totally bloodless Mm. in fact her body itself was bloodless she had been just drained of most of her blood She wasn't like a raisin or anything, but nothing was coming out, which is uncommon. And her body had been subjected to a host of horrific tortures that we will get into more at the end of today's episode. The officers that arrived on the scene roped off the area and called for backup. Since the procedure of investigating the crime scene back in the 30s took such an, or the 40s, where are we? 40s, took such an awfully long time and the chain of command was rather long, the Black Dahlia was left to wilt in the open air for quite a while. And this attracted a crowd. The simplest of Google searches will turn up extremely graphic photos of Elizabeth's body. And this is because the press was able to gather and snap away for hours before the body was even covered up.
1: Oh, geez.
0: Yeah, they didn't want to tamper with the crime scene, which is good because in a lot of earlier cases, people will just, like, Mm -hmm. walk all around and tamper with stuff. But they also didn't do anything to cover her up. And there was just—you can see photos of it. I'll I'll post one in our photo suite. It's just a line. There's, like, a roped-off area And there's just photographers standing there taking pictures.
1: Yeah. Well, that's good for us, I guess.
0: Yeah. And that's why uh, a lot of people will probably, like you said, you'll be able to instantly recall what she looked like. Mm -hmm. Because the photos were like immediate and news quality. The LA Herald Express reporter Augie Underwood was among the first to arrive on the scene and it is his photos which most of us are the most familiar with.
1: I love that name. Augie Underwood. Yeah, it's so perfect. Mm -hmm. It's a
0: pretty good (laughs) reporter name. He has his own Wikipedia page that I did not click on because I have enough information for this week but if you guys want to like see what he did can be my guest. I'll get on that. Do it. (laughs) Talk about it in the Facebook group police were however able to identify the body rather quickly because they had her fingers they were able to fingerprint her and use a primitive fax machine called sound photo so they fingerprinted her and then they sent this fax or whatever we're going to call it to Washington D.C. to look at all the arrest records Mm -hmm. they could get a hold of and it turned out that she had an arrest record and while in life that was probably pretty unpleasant for her in death it was most likely the most fortunate thing that could have occurred in her past because it was so easy to figure out who she was and it revealed that she was a woman named Elizabeth Short, which we have already already said. But who who was Elizabeth Short and how on earth did she end up this way? Yes, tell me. Well, it is best to begin at the beginning. Elizabeth Short was born on July 29th, 1924 in the Hyde Park section of Boston, Massachusetts. Hyde Park, Boston. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Town in a town.
1: <laughs> uh, and let's see, what, what do we know about 1924, Leslie? Do we have facts about that? Oh, we do. Okay. Yes. In 1924, J. Edgar Hoover was appointed head of the FBI and remained head until 1972. That is a long ass time. It is, yeah. Um, Caesar salads were invented. Yum. So I know. Um, they were invented by, so I assumed that it was by a guy named Caesar, um, but his name was Caesar Cardini. And mm. it was actually um, in Mexico, Tijuana, Mexico. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Mexico. I love a Mm -hmm. Caesar salad. Um, American Indians were finally considered U.S. citizens, so that was nice. Jesus. Um, President Coolidge enjoyed buzzing for his bodyguards and then hiding under his desk as they frantically searched for him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's my favorite president now. I
1: know, right? That's hilarious. (laughs) Plus, also just calling him President Coolidge kind of reminds, like, I picture a little dog. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why. I just feel like it's the perfect little dog name. Love it. Okay. Um, count Dracula was depicted wearing a Bella Lugosi style cape tuxedo combo when the book was adapted for London stage. Classy. It was the best. Yeah. It was the best way to make it obvious that the count was charming and sophisticated from a distance. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're not wrong. Um, two more. I have, Hitler was arrested for high treason, of which the punishment is usually execution. But the judge granted him clemency, however, believing Hitler was, um, Hitler had good intentions, so. I bet he
0: regretted that later in life. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine? 1929, that could have been it. Oh, man. Yeah. That's And gross. then... This was interesting. Um, I remember learning about this, but this was the year that flagpole sitting became a thing. Flagpole sitting. People would go to the top of a flagpole okay. and put like a little seat on there and they would sit on it and they it was I mean, there are people that try to get Guinness World Records for this. Yeah, it's very interesting. That sounds uncomfortable. Sounds very uncomfortable. And people have done it for over a year, like have sat there for over a year. What do they eat? How do they pee? I have so many questions. I know. Yeah, there's actually, those are the questions that pop up as you're writing it into Google. (laughs) So. (laughs) Mm, Then I feel validated. Yeah, I feel like that's a good discussion for our group as well. Flagpole sitting. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can bring it back. (laughs)
0: Um, I'm not going to, but if somebody else does, I will cheer them on from a distance. Yeah. How about that? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Social distancing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have fun on your flagpole. I'm going to be over here. (laughs) So that's all I have for 1924. What happened on your end? (laughs) I like that.
0: Flagpole (laughs) sitting was a good time and Hitler got away Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth Short was born. Elizabeth was the third of five daughters born to Cleo and Phoebe May Short a name that I love, Mm -hmm. Phoebe May.
1: I love it. Isn't that cute?
0: I love it. Anyway, there isn't much information out there about Elizabeth's parents prior to her birth, and there is even less out there about her sisters. We do know that she had two older sisters, Virginia and Dorothea, and two younger sisters, Eleonora and Muriel. I don't know when they were born. I don't know how old they are. Only a few sources even give their names. (laughs) But there you have it. Um, we got their names instead of just saying sisters, so I feel good.
1: Right. <laughs> Females with names. Yes.
0: Woo! <laughs> that's our thing. Um, in 1926, the family briefly relocated to Portland, Maine, before settling in Medford, Massachusetts in 1927. Do we have 1927? Yeah. Or did I not give you that one?
1: No, you didn't. 1929's next.
0: Okay. Okay, that's fine because not a whole lot happens. Medford is where the short girls would be raised and where they would go to school and where Elizabeth would spend most of her life. Medford is six miles northwest of Boston and on the Mystic River. Now, I've been to Mystic, Connecticut, and I'm going to bet that, Leslie, you have too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not the same. It's cute. Mystic (laughs) pizza
0: tastes like Pizza Hut pizza, and that movie has not aged well, but that's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Medford is a small suburban town. It was part of Paul Revere's famous ride. It is responsible for the spread of the gypsy moth over North America as one of its residents was attempting to breed better silkworms and unknowingly unleashed a pest out into the wild. Nice. Hmm. And the songs Jingle Bells and Over the River and Through the Woods were written in and about Medford. Yeah. So that's just going to give you an idea of the kind of place we're dealing with. It's quaint. That is the best word I have for it.
1: Yeah, it's really... It's really pretty there. Have you been to Medford? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's where... So I went to college in Springfield, mm-hmm. Massachusetts, and so it's not too far from there, but it's it's a really nice... A lot of those towns, especially outside of Boston, mm-hmm. just kind of seem like they're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So they're just really nice, though. A lot of land and... Pretty. Pretty, yeah. Gypsy bots. Gypsy bots, yeah.
0: Everywhere, eating up all the trees. <laughs> Uh, Elizabeth's father, Cleo, designed miniature golf courses, which is a very strange and specific job, but that's what he did.
1: For dolls? No,
0: like mini golf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you cut that out, I will never forgive you. Whoops. For dolls! <laughs>
1: guys that was so good we just watched a scary uh, movie called Hereditary and it had little doll houses in it mm-hmm. and so that's where my mind was and
0: I was now just imagining just want, a little like, thing with just a tiny <laughs> golf course on it all our merchandise yeah. is like little tiny golf course yeah. <laughs> the dolls uh, need to keep busy and active oh my god I forgot my whole self now that was so funny <laughs> Cleo designed miniature golf courses like putt-putt. Is that better?
1: Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: And her mother stayed at home to tend the house and her five girls. Ooh, five girls, that is a lot. So, um... Life was just good, and that's what they did for a little while. Now we're going to jump ahead in time to 1929, and I know you have that one. Tell us what life was like in 1929, Leslie.
1: Sure. So Rocky Road became the first widely available combination flavor. Ugh, I love Rocky Road ice cream. I know, right? It's still one of my favorites. When I see it, I think I'm like, it's that's the best flavor. It's really good. Yeah. After the stock market crash, though the stock market crashed in 1929 in October. Yeah, bad news. Yeah. um, Al Capone opened soup kitchens throughout Chicago and provided food and clothing to numerous struggling families. Mm. So that was nice of him. But I think he did some of that because there was allegedly the, and I'm going to say that word a lot in this sentence. That's okay. So the the St. Valentine's Day massacre happened in 1929.
0: We'll cover Al Capone at some time. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So Al Capone's men allegedly killed seven other alleged gangsters in an alleged shooting on February 14th. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> this would have given Mr. Capone control of Chicago's mob underworld if such a thing, in fact, actually existed. So I think if he was in, like you know not doing well with the cops maybe mm-hmm. him opening up the the soup kitchens and stuff like that probably helped him
0: made him look like a good samaritan
1: yeah that makes sense interesting yeah the museum of modern art opened Ooh. um and the US Supreme Court voted 8 to 1 in favor of eugenics program Oof. requiring forced sterilization of citizens that deemed not intelligent enough to reproduce. Yeah, we
0: started the Nazi thing. We did.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then, um, I mean, the most major thing that happened was the stock market crash.
0: Yes. But that
1: happened near the end. Yeah.
0: Are those your facts? Yeah. They're excellent facts. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1929, as you mentioned, the stock market crash hit, and it hit the quaint little town of Medford and the Short family particularly hard. It's a lot of working class people, so they, yeah. they really suffered quite a blow. Cleo Short lost his job, seeing as miniature golf, can never say it again, was hardly a priority in the Great Depression that was to come. And so the Shorts, as many families did, struggled. Cleo lost the family's savings, and they ended up flat broke. Bummer. Yeah, really tough times for them. Not a lot of little tiny golf courses.
1: Yeah. The stock market crashing is, like, so confusing to me sometimes. Like, I don't really under—I feel like we just are putting all of our money in—every time I research it, because I keep trying to understand how it affects our economy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just feel like all I'm understanding is that we're kind of just putting all of our hopes and dreams into a gambling project. (laughs) (laughs) Which I know kind is of. not what it is. There's a lot more to it. It's just me, like, not really understanding it. And I'm like, how does this affect everything? But it does.
0: Sometimes you win. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I was never one for anything financial that was a risk. So.
1: Yeah, well, and I think that this one was risky because a lot of, it wasn't just for people that had money um, since mm-hmm. the 1920s were doing so well at that point. Um, everybody felt like they were going to get rich. So there were middle class people were taking out like not loans, but they were borrowing money, I guess, for the stock market. So then when it was falling, they either had everybody just had to keep selling before it crashed, which made it crash. Well, the economy just crashed right along with it, too. So even if your money wasn't tied up in stocks,
0: your employment would be affected and a litany of other things, which sucks because... A lot of people lost everything. So we're going to, like, fast forward past the stock market crash into 1930. Did anything get better in 1930, Leslie? Yeah. It did? It
1: did. It did.
0: I thought it kind of stayed terrible and Great Depression-y, but you tell me fun stuff.
1: Well, Twinkies were invented. Mm. The golden sponge cake with creamy filling. Delicious and impenetrable. Just a fortress
0: of forever (laughs) cake.
1: (laughs) Um, In April of 1930, April 18th, the day before my birthday. Oh. The BBC announced there was no news today, so they played a piano music instead. (laughs) Can we get one of those soon, please? I know. That would be wonderful. The guy's like, here's some some piano music.
0: Everything's fine.
1: (laughs) A mysterious man visited Edgar Allan Poe's grave every year from 1930 to 1998 and offered a toast with a glass of cognac. I want to be that man. I know. I think I solved that case. Oh, you did? Yeah. Congrats! I think, I think it was my fiancé John. I think he went there in the thirties. Yeah, I think he's much older than he says he is. He just ages really well. Maybe he's Dracula. I would very much like to know about his skincare. Yeah, well, sure, soaps. I already <laughs> used all your stuff on my face. There you go. You'll uh, you'll be living. For I'm gonna <laughs> live forever. Perfect. Years to come. Um, in 1930, Babe Ruth made more than the president. He made eighty. Thousand dollars versus 75000 and when asked about it, he responded, I know, but I had a better year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He sure did. And then there were a lot of animal facts for the 1930s, so this oh. should lift our spirits and make us forget about the Great Depression. Mm. So Elm Farm Ollie was the first cow to fly in a fixed-wing aircraft, and she was the first cow to be milked in an airplane. Good for her. What a strange honor. But all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were only 14 shih tzus left in the world due to a restriction in dog breeding. So all the modern day shih tzus are directed, direct descendants of those 14 dogs. Prolific maters, those 14 mm-hmm. dogs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Shih tzus are everywhere now. And hamsters in North America and most other places are descended from one pregnant female captured in Syria. In 1930. These animals are like going at it. Yeah, what's going on in the 1930s on your end? <laughs> Very nice. Not as not as fun over here. The short family was
0: busy scraping the bottom of whatever barrel they could find to get by at this point. It had been a year since Cleo lost his job, and money wasn't exactly easy to come by. Then one morning, Cleo's car was found abandoned on the Charlestown Bridge, and it was assumed that it had all become just too much for him and he died by suicide, jumping off the bridge into the Charles River below. Oh, how sad. Yeah. Phoebe then moved her five daughters and herself from their house in Medford to a small apartment, also in Medford, but just they downsized their living space considerably, and found herself part-time work as a bookkeeper, just barely managing to support all of them. Phoebe was, Phoebe May, she was a pretty powerful single mom.
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
0: She found a place to live for her and her five daughters. She got a job and supported them. Who knows how much childcare she had? They were little at the time. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have done in that situation, but she was able to make the best of it. And the girls were thriving, despite everything they had gone through. Elizabeth had grown into a strikingly beautiful young woman with thick black curls and pale white skin. She was charismatic and popular, never wanting for friends or boyfriends. Um, Bob Pacios, or Pacios, P-A-C-I-O-S, when in doubt, spell it out. Her Medford neighbor and classmate said, quote, she was always friendly, never at a loss for words, and it wasn't just that she was so pretty. There are lots of pretty girls. There was something different. She was something you liked to watch. The kind of girl boys might sneak looks at, but would get tongue-tied if she spoke to you. And that walk of hers, it wasn't put on. She always walked that way, even in junior high. I always thought that if she had a glass of water on her head, she wouldn't spill a drop. End quote.
1: My mom used to try to get me to do that. She'd practice the water. Man. <laughs> <Walk. Diane. laughs> always Come walking on. with a book or glass of water yeah she was all about etiquette really mm-hmm.
0: somehow I find that equally <laughs> surprising and not surprising
1: we're very waspy from Stratford Connecticut <laughs> well I
0: mean you were you were in a town within a town that was like lordship yes your Majestyville <laughs> or wherever you lived yeah cool when Elizabeth was 15 she received lung surgery for what some sources describe as issues with bronchitis and asthma and others just describe as tuberculosis because Everyone in every story <laughs> has tuberculosis. My
1: God.
0: I know. This is, um, most, most reports just say she had lung problems, which is so vague, and that she had asthma. And then there's a quote, it's rambly, so there was really no point in me reading the whole thing, but it's from another one of her classmates that says that she was away at a camp for kids with TB at one point in time. Oh. So I'm like, oh, you have nondescript lung problems, and you were, hmm. okay, that adds up. Wow. Yeah. Maybe you didn't want to talk about having TB back then. It was, had a pretty grisly history, so. Yeah. Checks out. After her surgery, also, I have no idea what this surgery was. It was just lung surgery. There is no further description of that either. She had surgery on her lungs. And afterwards, the doctors suggested that she relocate to a warmer climate in the wintertime to prevent any further respiratory problems. This was super common back then. A lot of medical professionals just thought that being cold was really bad for your lungs. Yeah. <laughs> so that you should, like, be outside where the air is nice and warm, which I think in retrospect we can say, isn't it worse
1: when you're somewhere suffocatingly warm
0: and you have respiratory problems?
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Wouldn't you rather not be in, like, heat.
1: If you were having a hard time breathing. I guess you wouldn't want to be in high humidity, so she'd have to be relocated, I guess, to the West Coast. So a nice summer home out there, that's what her insurance... She goes to Florida. Nobody should go to Florida. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So They suggest that she go somewhere with a milder climate, and so Phoebe decided to send Elizabeth to live with family friends in Miami for the winter months. So three months out of the year, she would just move to Miami. Okay. And hang out there. I know. YOLO. Hate myself for saying
1: that. <laughs> I just let it go. Ali's cool.
0: No, I didn't want <laughs> to be cool. I wanted it to be terrible. So I came across it terrible. That's good. <laughs> that was the goal. Um, but after her sophomore year, all of the relocating and time off of school took its toll and Elizabeth would drop out of high school in Medford. Okay. You can only miss so much school before you just can't go to school anymore. <laughs> Right, and I guess she wasn't going to school in Miami. She was just going and hanging out for three months, and then coming back and going to school. That's not going to work. So, but I don't think dropping out was as big a deal in the '40s as it is now. No. So let's move forward again to 1942. Tell us about
1: 1942, Leslie. Sure. Uh, Silly putty was created. (gasps) Love silly putty. Um, during World War II, which happened this this year. I guess this is when we got into it. Penicillin was scarce, so it was common to collect urine from patients to recycle the penicillin. So gross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Innovative, though. Like, I respect it. I'm grossed out by it, but I respect it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tea was so important for morale in the British Army that in 1942, the UK bought the entire world's crop of tea. The whole world? The whole world.
0: They're like, give me all the tea ever. You know how people say like I wouldn't trade this for all the tea in China. They like actually did that. They did it.
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's crazy. Uh, Bambi was released. Duh. Yeah, that movie's
0: traumatic. I don't like it.
1: And let's see. On June twelfth, nineteen forty two, Anne Frank received an autographed book from her father for the for her thirteenth birthday. That book became her diary. Oh. Yeah, oh. and over three hundred skeletons were found around Rupkund. Uh, which is spelled R O O P K U N D, an obscure high altitude lake in India. Mm. These skeletons were the remains of a ninth century party killed by a freak hailstorm.
0: So they were partying, there was a hailstorm, and a shit ton of people died? Yeah.
1: That's crazy. I love skeletons, though.
0: Yeah, 300, in fact. That's a cool find. <laughs> Yeah. A really unfortunate for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not advocating people die in a hailstorm, but no. that's cool. Good facts. So, in late 1942, Phoebe May, Elizabeth's mom, received a letter of apology from Cleo, her dad. Oh. Elizabeth's dad. As it turns out, he faked his own suicide. Oh. And started his life over again in California. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So, he just like left his car there and then ran away.
1: Did he have like life insurance or anything? No, no,
0: no, they were flat broke. He left them with nothing and then just felt it easier to start to get on his own than support his family. He's trash.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is easier. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but don't do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't leave your whole family and fake your death. Turns out he felt kind of bad about it, apparently, like bad enough to write a letter a bunch of years later. (laughs) He sounds really swell. But hearing that her father was alive and lived in California was all that Elizabeth needed. She loved movie stars and glamour and was in love with the idea of Los Angeles and California. Um, So she wanted to go and live with him. Plus, she argued that the warmer climate would be better for her lungs, which... She got pretty air to I- argument. Yeah. She was being sent to Miami.
1: She'd be like, well, you know what? California, mm-hmm. not as human. And like I said, West Coast. It's probably better there.
0: Probably. You're right. I don't know that she knew that much. I think she's probably like, I wanna be living there. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so that December, at age 18, Elizabeth moved to Vallejo, California to live with her father, a man she hadn't seen since she was six years old. Wow. Cleo was working at the Mare Island Naval Shipyard in San Francisco Bay, which is a far cry from mini golf course design, so it must have been an interesting few years for old Cleo.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Shockingly, living with the father who had faked his own death to abandon her and her family did not go well for Elizabeth. The two argued ferociously, and in 1943, Elizabeth moved out. Hmm. What else happened in 1943, Leslie?
1: Sure. <laughs> Uh, Nachos were invented. Love a nacho. Yep. Um, Deep dish pizza was invented while a man at a small pizzeria called Pizzeria Uno in Illinois decided to make a pizza using a cake mold.
0: Delicious. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, This was uh, when the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League was created. (gasps) Yeah. Like a league of their own? Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. Um, one of the longest running and most popular Broadway musicals. Do you know this one? It debuted March 31st of 1943.
0: Oklahoma. I hate
1: Oklahoma. <laughs> Sorry, friends. Some
0: of my friends really like Oklahoma and have big feelings about it, but I do not care for it. Well, it's
1: just been running for so long.
0: <laughs> it's not still running. Well, it like, had a revival, but it didn't run continuously the whole time.
1: Mm. <laughs> and due to both teams losing a large number of Uh, players to military service in World War II, Mm -hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles merged for one season under the name Pittsburgh-Philadelphia-Steagles. That's the best they could do? Yeah. That's terrible.
0: Yeah. Come up with like a new thing if you have to. Don't be like, let's just smash everything together.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. Well... All right. It's Philadelphia. This the
0: Schmilla Schmelfia Schmeagles or whatever they were called.
1: Schme- the, Schmeagle- yeah, the Schmeagles. Yeah, the Schmeagles. <laughs> that, was, that was it. Terrible.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. 1943 had some fun stuff going on.
1: Um, and also,
0: um, Elizabeth moved out of her father's house to um, move in with friends and took a job at the base exchange. Now, a base exchange is like a retail store on a military base. So she took a job at the base exchange at Camp Cook, which is now Vanderburg Air Force Base. Elizabeth briefly moved in with an Air Force sergeant who reportedly abused her, and so that it didn't last long, and she moved out. There's no information on this guy, but that fact is included a lot of places, and I'm going to say this kind of thing a lot of times because this story is filled with sensationalist reports and then boiled down facts. Okay. So there are some things that are everywhere that I feel responsible to pass on, but I don't know how true they are. In 1943, Elizabeth moved to Santa Barbara where she was promptly arrested for underage drinking in a bar, which would be the arrest that would later identify who she was.
1: Mm, Okay.
0: Authorities sent her back to Medford, but she never made it all the way there. So they didn't try super hard. They were like, go back to Medford. She was like, okay, never mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, she went back to Florida. So, you know, she had friends established there and stuff she placed to stay. And while she was in Florida, she met Major Matthew Gordon Jr., a highly decorated Army Air Force officer who was training for deployment to the China-Burma-India Theater of Operations in World War II. Elizabeth told her friends that Officer Gordon had written to propose marriage to her while he was recovering injuries, recovering from injuries from a plane crash in India and that she had accepted his offer. So it was an exciting time. She's going to get married. But Gordon died in a second crash on August 10th, 1945, less than a week before the end of World War II. Oh, terrible (sighs) luck. I know. She cannot catch a break. After this crushing blow, Elizabeth went through a substantial mourning period. Some say she began to tell friends that she had been pregnant at the time of her fiancé's death but also lost the baby. Again, this is a rumor that I cannot confirm, but it's reported so many places that I feel responsible for passing the information on. At the time of her death, the medical examiner reported that she had not been pregnant nor or ever been pregnant. So if she was saying those things, they were not true. Hmm. But like, I don't know. She was grieving and having a really bad time. I'm not going to judge her for whatever she said. Yeah. So now we come to July of 1946. Want to tell us about 1946?
1: Sure. Okay. Uh, Coca-Cola produced a secret white Coke variant uh, that was made specifically for a powerful Soviet military marshal who loved Coca-Cola, but needed to hide the fact that he was drinking it as it was seen as an American imperialist product. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He just really liked Coca-Cola. All right. Spookbusters. Was a 1946 comedy film about a group of recent graduates who set up a company to exterminate ghosts in New York. The like Ghostbusters? Yeah, I had no idea that it well, was Ghostbusters.
0: Like ripped off?
1: Yeah, or yeah, like brought back. I guess a reboot.
0: I feel like it was ripped off. <laughs> I don't know. Don't sue me, Ghostbusters. Doctor Phil, Giada De Laurentiis, the Catholic Church. <laughs> I don't know if I, Phil forgot. I forgot some. Don't sue me, any
1: people. <laughs> Um. Do you remember Highlights for Children? Yeah, we still get it. Yep. Uh, that began publication. Oh, that's a good one. Dentist's office the world over We're thankful. Mm-hmm. Um, the Soviet Union presented a wooden replica of the Great Seal of the United States to the Ambassador Av- Avril Harriman, who hung it in his office. 7 years later a routine inspection revealed the gift contained a bugging device the soviets had used to pay on the amb- to play on the ambassador.
0: Oh, bugging was a thing then because that's going to come back when we get into suspects. One of the suspects that's just just keep that mm-hmm. people don't forget about that cuz that's going to come back around. Not that specific person but like the mm-hmm. the act of bugging a house.
1: Yeah, I was trying to find some facts that I thought might end up becoming relevant, just with like certain technologies that were available. Yeah, yeah. At this time, I like it. Um, and then the U.S. offered to buy Greenland from Denmark for one hundred million dollars, but they obviously declined. One
0: hundred. Yeah, one
1: hundred million dollars. Yeah, which is so much money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's like a whole country. But we were going through. I mean, we just got out of. The Depression. We didn't have a lot of money. Maybe we thought we could make a lot of money off it. Yeah. We were, like, seven years out of the Depression, and we're like, you know what, let's just buy Greenland for a $100 million.
0: And everybody will want to go on vacation to Greenland, and we'll make a bazillion dollars. Maybe, yeah. I don't think it shook out that way, though. <laughs> no. Clearly. Good facts. <laughs> Those are fun. So in 1946, all that fun stuff happened, and also... Elizabeth came back to Los Angeles under the guise of visiting Lieutenant Gordon Fickling, who was an ex-boyfriend of hers, and she knew him from when she was living in Florida. So she came to visit him in Los Angeles, and she just never left. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth got a job as a waitress and rented a room behind the Florentine Gardens on Hollywood Boulevard. Florentine Gardens is, like, pretty infamous, and we'll talk more about it next week, but it's a thing. It was rumored that she had also taken to selling herself to make rent. Okay. Which is sad. And there is again, no confirmation of this rumor, but it is presented everywhere. And she also maintained an extremely like glamorous lifestyle and image. She lived what some might say like beyond the means that she would have had as a waitress. So I can see why people would kind of latch on to her making money in a different way yeah, as well. So just putting that out into the world. Uh, as I said, Elizabeth maintained her glamorous image. Often she was always dressed really beautifully and her hair was done and her makeup was perfect. And she earned the nickname the Black Dahlia at this time. And it's not based on a flower she wore in her hair, which people love to say, and it's not true. If you look, there are not pictures of her with flowers in her hair all the time. It was not her trademark. It was not a thing she did. However, in the movie, Mia Kirshner's like, I wear this black dahlia in my hair. That's not it at all. Actually, black dahlias don't even exist. (gasps) Lies. I'm so sorry. The black, the darkest dahlia you can find is burgundy. I had them in my wedding flowers. They're really beautiful. Um, But they're clearly red. They're not black. (laughs) Okay. So just saying. No, the nickname was actually based on a a film noir film called The Blue Dahlia. Hmm. And a clerk at the pharmacy she frequented thought she just looked like a film noir star. So he took the name of this film, which starred Veronica Lake, who is incredibly beautiful. So this is definitely a compliment. Mm -hmm. And he took Elizabeth's black hair, combined the two and nicknamed her The Black Dahlia.
1: Okay. Okay. That makes sense to me. Yeah,
0: so it was a compliment though, too. It was like a nice thing.
1: Well, it probably would it have been a black and white movie, so like the flower would have come out kind of black, too, wouldn't it?
0: There there's there's no flower in the movie. The movie is uh, about a man's cheating wife. <laughs>
1: but <sighs> it was just one of those noir
0: films with gangsters and all that business and he thought she looked like she belonged in
1: one of them. Okay. So that's
0: what he called her. I don't know. I would have been into that if someone said that about me. For sure. Be like, "That's
1: yes." I know. That's a sexy name. I like it.
0: It is. And the story that goes along with it is so much better than a flower.
1: Yeah. So keep that out in the world for
0: Elizabeth because it's rad. And at this point, she was partying pretty hard. She was seen in the company of many men and a few women. It's speculated that she liked ladies as well. Very fluid. Yeah. Again, no confirmation, but like, live your life, girl. The year ticked by into 1947 and Elizabeth had gone to visit friends in San Diego. Um, and we're going to come back to 1947 for you. That's the last one. <laughs> no worries. And and on January 8th, a man named Robert Manley. <laughs> I, I got to laugh at that name for a hot so second. So
1: narcissistic. <laughs> yeah.
0: He was known. They called him Red because <laughs> he was a ginger. They're very creative.
1: Because he needed another nickname, I guess.
0: <laughs> he decided to give her a ride back to Los Angeles from San Diego. And they rented a hotel room together but did not have sex, He said. Okay. Well, that's nice. I
1: feel like that's false.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this woman. I gave her a ride. We rented a room, spent the night together, but there was no sex. Right.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Well, don't don't shame her. Maybe they didn't.
0: He said he slept in the bed and she slept in a chair. If anything, I'm shaming him. Okay. Poor girl. Fuck that guy. Or don't, apparently. Yeah. The next morning on January 9th, 1947, Red dropped Elizabeth off at the Bult- at the Biltmore Hotel where Elizabeth claimed she was going to meet her married sister. She was not. But like who among us hasn't lied to get out of a bad date? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's probably like, I gotta go because my sister is here and that's, I'll see you later.
1: Right. <laughs> she knows I'm here and I gotta go. She'll be pissed.
0: I know. It's, you can't be here. So bye. Mm-mm. Red, uh, Also, I believe Red was married. Okay. And so it wasn't, like, great for him to be seen with her. So he would have just dropped her off and then driven away.
1: And and then that would have caused him to want to lie, too, if he was lying. Yes. Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. No, agreed. We never had sex. No, not a thing. My wife is my only person.
1: And I even made
0: her sleep in a chair. I made her sleep in the chair. If I were his wife, I'd be like, you're lying and you're also not a gentleman. Yeah. So two times bad for you. Uh, But Red reported leaving Elizabeth at the Biltmore where he saw her making phone calls in the lobby. The staff at the Biltmore backed this up. They said they see her walk in. They saw her make phone calls in the lobby. And then I guess she left shortly later. And that was the last time Elizabeth was ever seen alive. Elizabeth was missing, presumably with her killer, for six days before she was found on the side of the road by Betty Bursinger. Oh, damn. So before... Before I get into the gross stuff, tell us about 1947 to give us a little break before I
1: okay. talk about gross things. I know. I'm like, I can't wait for the gross stuff. Always oh, coming. Howdy Duty Show was created and aired as the first TV show for children. Another Ginger. Mm hmm. <laughs> The candy bar strike happened after a piece of candy bar, after the price of candy bar increased from five cents to eight cents. Hundreds of children marched and protested on Capitol building in British Columbia, literally shutting down the government for a whole day. Where's our musical about that? We have Newsies. I want candies. I know. <laughs> I know. And can you just imagine like our children now, like getting together to do t- <laughs> do this
0: shit. I would be like, no, 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 no. Candy
1: bars are not that deep. You gotta go home. Uh, The igloo portable cooler was released.
0: Probably useful here.
1: Yeah. Uh, Japan passed a law forbidding itself from declaring war. So Japan's army can only be used for self-defense and peacekeeping. Oh. Yeah. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Extraterrestrials allegedly (laughs) crash-landed near Roswell, New Mexico. (laughs) Aliens. And the CIA was formed two weeks after. Coincidence? Suspicious. Mm. Hmm. And the steel pogo sticks were a big thing then. Oh. During this. Yeah. Okay.
0: So that's the good stuff about 1947. And now back to this gross stuff I have to talk about. So Elizabeth is discovered on the side of the road... And eventually she found her way to medical examiners. As I mentioned before, she laid on the side of the road for a while before they were able to take the body away. And they would report that Elizabeth died from, quote, hemorrhage and shock due to concussion of the brain and lacerations of the face, end quote. She had clearly been tortured prior to her death for, you know, she's probably there for the full six days. Three inch lacerations were carved into either side of her mouth and these were done while she was still alive, giving her a permanent ear to ear grin known as a Glasgow smile. Mm-hmm. And hers was particularly gruesome. A Glasgow smile can just be like the cuts on either side, but hers went all the way through her cheek. So right. she had slits cut from the sides, like of the corners of her mouth, three inches up to almost, that's almost your ear. On right. either side, um, yeah. which which kept her, made her the inside of her mouth very visible. And something they reported about her is that she had really bad lower teeth. Okay. I don't know why that's reported everywhere, but she did. She just had dental issues. Um, this type of attack, the Glasgow Smile, had been popular with English street gangs. All right. In the same kind of period in time, maybe a little earlier. I like think in the 20s, I think. And it was because, you know, it left a scar. So that was something that you would see forever. So they're suspect number one? English street gangs? Probably not. Yeah. However, somebody probably knew that was a thing because it is. Elizabeth also had a series of lacerations in her pubic area. They were like um, diagonal slashes. And all of the hair down there had been removed by hand, is how they put it. Oh. Yeah. So it had been like painstakingly removed. She had one missing nipple. I always take a nipple. I what, know,
1: what are you going to do is... with
0: that? I don't know, but it happens so much. Um, a lot of trophy killers too. <laughs> and several others, she had like big lacerations on her legs and arms where it would appear that they had just sliced off whole sections of her flesh. If you look at the pictures, you can see it, they're black and white, thankfully. But you can just see there's like big like missing pieces of skin on um, places, which is a very um, deliberate thing to do to someone. She It wouldn't just be an injury she incurred by like getting hit or being knocked around. Someone has to like do that with a knife. Um, and worst of all, she had been completely and cleanly severed in half using a technique called, oh, I didn't get the pronunciation guide. Mm-hmm. A hemicorporectomy? H-E-M-I-C-O-R-P-O-R-E-C-T-O-M-Y. I'm going to talk more about this next week because I'm going to talk to some actual doctors. Mm-hmm. Have that lined up. I put my feelers out for that so we can have a little more details on this. But it's a very specific surgical radical surgery developed in the 30s to deal with extreme issues of the digestive system or your like pelvic girdle, your, your bones in there and... I mean, they, they cut you in half. You have nothing left right. below the belly button, and you can still be alive. This can happen. Like it was, it's only happened su- such a small handful of times, and this is done by severing the spine between the second and third lumbar vertebra. Um, and, and you wouldn't know you would not be able to do this if you were just like an average Joe murderer. I guess.
1: Yeah, you'd have Something to average
0: about it, but it, uh, what I'm getting at is, it is a very intricate surgery. Yeah. Um. And it's done in a way that a doctor would have done it had he been doing it on a person that had to have it done. I know that's a very convoluted sentence, but does it make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so it was it was done the proper way. I don't really know why. We'll get more into that. I hope, hope I find out more next week. Uh, she was posed with her legs spread really far apart. Okay. Displaying what happens when you do that. And her intestines were tucked under her bottom so they were still connected to her lower half and they just tucked them underneath her butt so you couldn't see them she looked like a gap just there's a big gap in between her top half and bottom half so half so this had been like very meticulously planned like this is how whoever killed her wanted her to look when they found her she also had her top half also had her arms posed above her head um Bent at the elbows, and her wrists had like deep ligature marks on it. I mean, it's pretty obvious that she had to have been tied up for that to happen to her, but this is just proof of that. There was no semen found on the body. They looked for that. However, it was clear that Elizabeth had been meticulously washed. So if there was, they wouldn't have found it. (sighs) Medical examiners said that there was no doubt about the fact that she had been killed by a doctor, as I said, and most likely a very skillful surgeon. And that... Is where we're gonna leave you this week. Oh my god. With Next week we're gonna go into depth into the crime scene investigation and suspects. Um we're probably just gonna cover in depth the major suspects. Um we'll try and touch on uh, a lot of people confessed
1: to this murder falsely too. Oh yeah.
0: It was um like like um Henry
1: Lee Lucas, like the confession killers. I think there were like five. So that was a fact that I didn't bring up oh, okay. for this. Um, I think it was 1947. I think it was c- coming from 1947 on there's been like 500. Oh, that was, I'm sorry. I just got super spooked. Cause I saw a hand in the FaceTime. Did you see it's my hand? <laughs> Did my you cat. see me shake? I thought it was behind me.
0: No. <laughs> it's in the miniature golf course. It's a very oh tiny God. place. The
1: lady in white is appearing behind me. <laughs> no, it's just me and a flower. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, they. I think like five hundred people have confessed to being the killer. Oh
0: yeah, there are a lot of confessions. A couple were taken seriously. Mostly, most of them weren't because, like I said, like this this killing is it has such a very specific person that had to have carried it out. Um, and I really, I really think the one guy is super guilty. But we'll get into that next week. I could talk about it for a long time, and we will then. Um, so also before we go, um. There's a lot of misinformation about this case out there. A lot of uh, things that are extremely sensationalized and, like, double gross. Like, people like to report extra things about her. There are a lot of reports that say she was pregnant when she was killed. She was not. There's a lot of reports that say she was obviously raped. That's not there either. There's a lot of reports that say she was forced to eat feces and they found the contents in her stomach. None of that is reported in any of her autopsy reports, which I read and it is not there. Um, just a lot of weird, gross things like that. Hmm. There are no, but but it's it's hard because they are in so many sources, but then they're not tied together with any of the facts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my very best to sort through as much of it as possible. And so will you obviously and report the closest to accurate puzzled together version of her last six days of life as we can possibly find as accurate as possible. But it's, it is hard, as I mentioned. There's a lot of weird lies around there. And I can't wait to talk to actual medical professionals and ask them yeah. gross, weird <laughs> questions. Pretty excited. Yeah. That'll so. be fun.
1: Won't that be fun? Yeah. So
0: we can toast to um, anybody we heard about this week. A lot of them are not coming back next week. Only one is, I really think, plus Elizabeth. But, like, mm-hmm. you can. Well, do you have anybody you, you felt um, particularly toast. attached to?
1: Yeah, the mom. Let's toast yeah. the mom. Yeah. Phoebe May. Phoebe May, my girl. I love Phoebe May. Uh, she comes
0: back briefly next week, and in the in a, the fact, I have about her next week is so sad. <laughs> but we'll toast to her this week. That's a good thing. So cheers to Phoebe May. Cheers. Being a badass. <laughs> clink. I don't have anything to clink. Let me say. Wait. Nope. It's always a clunk. <laughs> Hold on. I got it. I got it. You got it. <laughs> Our sound effects are so good. Thank you. Thank thank you to Phoebe May and a toast to you, girl, for raising five daughters the best you could after your garbage husband faked his own suicide and ran away to California. Nonsense. Uh, I hope you guys uh, learned some new stuff about Elizabeth Short this week because while her death is talked about quite a bit, her life isn't as much. Yeah. So uh, it's nice to know who she is. Also an interesting... Fact is that it's reported everywhere that she was desperate to be a movie star. Okay. There are no facts backing that up. No. She liked being glamorous. She liked the movies. She had talked to her friends like, I'm going to be an actress one day. Won't that be fun? But she was not actively and desperately pursuing a career in the movies. She doesn't have any credits to her name. Not a single one. She hadn't been on anything. And as far as we can find, she never auditioned either. Right. And she lived in Los Angeles for enough of a stretch of time, two times that is, that if she was gonna audition, she could have. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like the career was what was driving her forward. That wasn't it. She just ended up there. So that's a, that's another one that is is literally everywhere. Desperate young actress gets murdered. That's that's not the headline. That's not what she was.
1: Right. But that's what this case is. Because I guess I thought one of the first thoughts I had, and I'm gonna, I feel like I might mess this word up, but it reminded me of a, like. Way she was found and things that happened to her, if she was an aspiring actress or if she did, you know, um, sleep with people for money, she could have been in like a snuff film that could have caused some of this.
0: That's an interesting theory. I mean, it's not true, but it's like a really good one. And it's Mm -hmm. not what anybody else glommed onto. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's not really what happened to her. But it does look like that. And if you put her death together with people saying she was a desperate actress, a hundred percent that's what it seems like. Yeah. But that's not what she was. Mm-hmm. Um I will also give like some teasers for next week, in the middle of this week, with some some stuff that I think people should have their eyes on before they listen next week. Okay. Not getting too into that. Um, and I'll I'll find I forget the name of that podcast, but I'll post it. Oh good. Okay. <gasps> I'm excited. Yeah, and I'm not gonna do an ending this week because we're not done. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I like that. So yeah. So that's all we have this week about Elizabeth Short's life. Listen to us, um, lo- or watch us live on Friday, um, mm-hmm. Facebook Live on the We Will Be Dead Facebook page. Leslie and I will be telling you campfire stories. Um, and maybe our tech will be better. Maybe it won't. But either way, we're all in this together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Try and, and stay safe and wash your hands and don't go crazy during quarantine. Yes, yeah, stay sane. Ugh, yeah, please stay sane. I don't know mm-hmm. that I can, but, like, good luck. <laughs> and, uh, and we will see you all on Friday and then again next week. All right, see you guys on Friday.
1: Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode, rate and review our show on iTunes, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at wouldbedeadpod, and join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Uh, Elizabeth's
0: father, Cleo, designed miniature golf courses, which is a very strange and specific job, but that's what he did.
1: For dolls? No, like mini golf. Oh.
0: (laughs) If you cut that out, I will never forgive you.